Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. What's up, monkeys? Monkey Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. On this episode, I wanted to do a recap of what I'm going to call a micro misogi, which took place this past Friday, which let me get the date right. It was Friday, August, excuse me, Friday, August 7th, 2020, Long's Peak, the Diamond, Pervertical Sanctuary is the name of the route. So let me give a little backstory here. So Long's Peak is basically in our backyard here in Boulder. It's a 14,000, 14,259 foot mountain. It's inside Rocky Mountain National Park. On the east face of Long's Peak is a vertical or slightly overhanging wall called the Diamond. It's about a thousand feet. And it's just, man, it's this crazy, just, it's this, this amazing wall. It's, um, one of the best big Alpine walls in the country, if not the world. And it's just so steep, so sheer and so clean. You look up, it just, it, it looks impossible. Sometimes it's just, um, so steep and it's not always easy to see the way, but once you get on it, it's just, it's amazing climbing, amazing movement, the exposure, the scenery. It's just, it's a very special place. So this was my fourth time trying to get on the diamond. And it, so it took me four tries to finally succeed, which I think I was able to do El Cap in three tries, which is kind of crazy. So El Capitan in Yosemite, I'm sure most of you have seen uh, uh, Alex Honnold free soloed that a few years back, kind of really came into the mainstream this last year. But that's a 3,000 foot wall. And that took, I think, three tries. And the diamond, which, you know, is only a thousand feet, that took me four tries. So hopefully that kind of speaks to it a little bit. And, you know, it's, there's a several factors that make it challenging, not necessarily harder, but just challenging in a different way. So it's a several mile approach to the base of the diamond, which involves some kind of technical approach pitches just to get to the base where the actual climbing starts and to get there. You're, cross, you're crossing a glacier, you're climbing this really rotten, loose chimney that has all kinds of rock fall. There's rocks and ice falling off the diamond as well. So just at, uh, the first time we were up there this summer, it just was like a war zone. There's like bombs going off with these rocks and huge pieces of ice falling off and kind of getting hit by this, you know, frozen shrapnel was, um, not super encouraging. So that was the first time we bailed. The second time we went up, we just, we'd started too late in the day. I needed to be home and we just didn't have enough time, frankly, but the weather was perfect. That was a hard, that was hard to leave. And then this last Friday, just everything lined up. We had the time, we had the weather. And I think more than anything, we just had the mental fortitude to keep pushing on when I know definitely last year, I was up there about a year ago with same partner, Chris, Buddy Chris, we climbed El Cap together and we've been just adventuring a lot the last few years. About a year ago, we were up there and I was gripped. I was scared. We had some gnarly rock fall and uh, it just kind of, it shook me a little bit. You know, there's just those objective hazards that they're, they're 100% out of control, out of your control. And it really just kind of um, shook me up a little bit, but 
mentally just feeling much better the last few months. And even though we'd gone up and bailed a couple of times, it just, we kind of treat them as scouting missions and this time we were able to get it done. So we started at, we started hiking at five twenty in the morning this past Friday and we got to the base of the climb at just after 11 AM right as the route was kind of going into the sun and keep in mind the, the climb starts at over 13,000 feet. So, you know, in the sun, the sun's quite intense at that altitude with the thinner air, but as soon as, as soon as that wall goes in the shade, it gets cold. So, you know, we're wearing down jackets, two layers of pants, base layers, neck gaiter, just, you're really, you're, you're trying to stay warm. Plus you're carrying all your water and food and emergency gear. And so you're, you're just, you're loaded down with much more weight than it would be if, you know, you're just kind of parking and walking to a cliff, uh, you know, just a you know quarter mile down the road or whatever. So it's just, it's a very on your own type of experience that it's not necessarily that the climbing is out of range from our ability. It's just that all these external factors add up to make it just more challenging so not, I should also add that that being said, it was still really freaking hard. And, you know, I, I, I think I actually was a little overconfident in my abilities. You know, I, about three years ago, I'd really peaked kind of in my climbing skill. And since that time, I just, I haven't had as much time with running monkey, having two kids, having, well, having one kid and then now two kids. I just, I'm not getting as much time on rock or even really training specifically for it. I was really training very, very, in a very specific and focused way for climbing kind of since I'll say 2013 to kind of mid 2017. And then kind of since that time, it's just, it's not that I haven't been interested. I've just been psyched on some other things that just kind of diluted the time that I could get on rock or really focus on it. So that being said though, I was able to still perform. I have been and was able to still perform at maybe 80 to 90% of that kind of peak level with relatively little training and that's sport specific, but with doing just general training, you know, doing pocket monkey, doing some kettlebell, doing some running, doing some biking, just maintaining general fitness. So I know a lot of us monkeys were busy, you know, just there's life, life happens. So if you can maintain that, that fitness, I really think, especially something that you had a high level of skill previously, if you can maintain a solid base of fitness, I feel like you're able to get that skill back relatively quickly. If you kind of do this, you know, maybe a handful of incremental increases of intensity or difficulty up to trying to get to at least maybe 90% of where you're at, which that's pretty dang good, man. If you can maintain that 80 to 90% with, you know, almost no sport specific training, but just kind of general fitness training that that's a good place to be. So just want to put that out there that, you know, if there's something that maybe you used to do previously and you wanted to get back into, as long as you're maintaining your general fitness, I think it's going to make it much, much easier to get back to where you were at least close to where you were. So back to the journey. So we started climbing just a little after 11 and it's like, the first few hundred feet, I'm thinking like, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. 
and uh, retreat gets a little different. Well, retreat gets exponentially harder the higher you go. Um, it's kind of like at a point, at a certain point, it's better just to keep going up than try and go back down, especially repelling. And again, the rock up there isn't super good. The anchors are less than inspiring. So just to contrast with El Cap again, there's these like 8,000 pound rated bolts drilled all over the mountain, all, all over the side of a cap that you can rappel off of anchor into. And it's just, you feel very safe when you're clipped into those things on the diamond on longs. It's like rotten webbing that someone put up, you know, five years ago with some old rusty aluminum nuts where the wires rusting and the rock, you can, it doesn't look great. It's just, it's very, your your confidence level in some of these uh, fixed anchors is uh, less than desirable. So again, it's possible to get down, but you know, there's a there's a cost benefit to that. So at a certain point, I was like, man, we just got to keep going up, kind of no matter what. And we got to what's called the crux pitches, which is the hardest part. And the way a climb's broken down is it's broken into pitches, which are generally about a half a rope length to a full rope length, which could be anywhere from about a hundred to 200 feet. And so you'll climb that section. The leader will climb the section, build an anchor and then belay up the second. And then the person who was a second would become the leader. They lead up. And then it's kind of this like inchworm type of movement. So we were up on the fourth pitch, which is the first crux pitch, which I led and, you know, I got up maybe 10, 15 feet and then I was totally just pumped and gassed out of my mind. So I had to hang on the gear and I ended up doing what's called kind of French free. So I'm using, you're, you're climbing this crack, right? And you're putting in what's called a cam that you pull the trigger, you put it in the crack, the cam expands, you st- basically get stuck in the crack. So if you fall, it won't pull out. So essentially what we ended up doing is like, putting in the cam and then pulling on the cam instead of putting in the cam, clipping in the rope and then climbing with your hand. So it's, it's called French free. So it's kind of this like way of climbing that is it's, it's a way to get up, but it's one, not as fun. And two, it's kind of cheating because you're not, you know, you're not pulling on the rock, you're pulling on the gear. So again, at this point we were just, we kind of went into survival mode. Let's just get to the top. So we ended up doing that for the next two pitches. And then during that time, my forearm started cramping. So literally like, you know, I would do a few moves, climbing moves, and then like my flexors in my forearm would cramp and my hand would just like turn into a fist. I'd literally have to peel my fingers open, kind of shake out, stretch it. Maybe I could climb a little bit more and it would cramp again. So I was starting to get a little nervous about that. Like, gosh, if my hands give up or my hands go out, that's not going to be a great situation up here. So fortunately it never got to that point where they were just totally unusable. I just, I'd have to pry open my hand after a little bit, massage it out, stretch it out. But, um, that's also something good to know. I think, I think it was a combination of a little bit of dehydration and just not really using those muscles at that intensity and or duration for quite a while. So just something to to know for the future and be aware of. So hopefully it doesn't happen again. So 
you get to the top of the technical climbing at a place called table ledge. It's like maybe three, four feet wide, just perfectly flat. You're 200 feet from the summit of longs. It's just a totally just awesome place to be. And then you kind of traverse off this ledge, maybe 50, hundred feet to kind of a scrambling mountaineers route called Keener's route, which if you're looking at the diamond from the East, it would be on the left. You get on this and it's just this really fun scrambling kind of hopping ledges don't need a rope, just super fun. That takes you right to the top. So we went up, tagged the summit, took a couple quick pictures, and then we went down what's called the North Face, did a few rappels, and uh, we actually caught up to a few more parties that had been climbing. So we were able to zip down their ropes that were already set up. Got down to what's called the Boulder Field, and that's about, I'm going to say that's maybe a four or five mile hike from the Boulder Field to back to the parking lot. So kind of, we were there kind of right as the sun's going down, got water. And then man, that hike out was like just brutal. My legs more than anything were just smoked from this whole experience. I think it was from just hauling the, you know, heavier pack up and then that eccentric from going down. And even, you know, even that climbing, it's, you're just, your whole, it's not, it's definitely fingers and forearms and arms and all that. But I just, it made me realize how much full body tension you're creating, especially when the route is that steep. So when it, when it's slightly less than vertical, you can really just kind of be on your feet and use your arms almost more for balance. But when it's that steep, I mean, this is like dead vertical or even overhanging at parts. It's like you have to create so much more tension through your core and your legs that it just, uh, it really adds up. And you know, my core felt good. My, actually my erectors, my lower back were pretty sore and tired. I think, and again, I think that's just from the lack of sports specific training. I just, I never realized how much those were involved in climbing. And again, I think the heavier pack that really added a lot. So it's all just, you know, it was all a learning experience for next time. And we're actually thinking of going back up, uh, this upcoming Monday, for maybe a redo, maybe the same route or maybe something different, but it's just the, the season up there is so short that you really have to take advantage of it. So that's uh that was my micro Masogi this past week. And gosh, you know, I've been here for seven years now and it's like, it's kind of a bummer that, that I never was up there. But I think honestly, I was just, it's a very, it's in a very intimidating place, you know, to compare it to Yosemite again, Yosemite's lower altitude. It's just kind of got this bright, really benevolent vibe to it. You know, the weather's better. It's warmer. You know, it's relatively easy to retreat from a lot of these places. And, you know, worst case, you get like perfect cell service on the side of El Cap, whereas Long's Peak is you're hiking in several miles. It's this alpine environment. You're way higher in altitude. And uh, you really are on your own out there. And I think there's just knowing that in the back of your mind, I think just makes you maybe a little bit more hesitant or at least makes me a little bit more hesitant. So it's also that fear of the unknown, right? So I think getting up it, it's like, it kind of part of the Masogi, right? Is kind of expanding your imagination. So I think the fact we got up, even though it wasn't pretty, I think the fact that we know that we can do it now, the next time we go up, we can just climb better, you know, which that's such an interesting thing about 
climbing to me is that, um, you know, it's, there's no, there's no one out there judging you. No one really even cares how you do it or what you're doing. It's, it's such this internal motivation, but my climbing partner, Chris and I, we just, we were talking about it on the drive home and then texting and talking since the, this climb last Friday, you know, it's like, we're just, we want to do it better because we know we can. So I think kind of eliminating that unknown should really help with that and hopefully open up some new doors. So let you guys know what happens on Monday. So I would just encourage everyone listening, you know, if there's something you've been trying to do that you think is maybe outside the realm of your current abilities, you know, I don't think it's, I think as long as you're being somewhat reasonable and not doing anything, uh, you know, unnecessarily risky or really just your way, it's just so far out of your current ability. But, you know, I, it's okay. I think to just kind of go for it sometimes, as long as you have somewhat of an out and learn what you need to do to get there. You know, that's happened to me with, it happened to me with college sports. It happened to me with weightlifting. It's happened to me with climbing, with running, with all kinds of things with business. You know, it's, um, I think what I've tended to do over the years is I'll just, I'll kind of just go for it when I'm maybe, you know, 60 to 80% ready. And oftentimes I'll fail, but I'll learn so much. And it really, it just, it helps me claim, it helps me paint this very clear picture of what I need to do to achieve that goal. And, you know, obviously the, the goal has to be within reason. Um, you know, if I want, if I said I want to slam dunk a basketball, I just don't think that's in my genetics or my physiology. Unfortunately, maybe, maybe I'm selling, selling myself short, but I really think it'd be kind of a futile effort. Although, you know, I could improve my vert quite a bit, but anyhow, I think just going for it sometimes it lets you learn so much and just set you up for success in the future. So don't be afraid of failure. It's I've failed so much over the years with so many things. You know, I got cut from the lacrosse team. The first year I tried out, I walked on to the team at Georgetown. I got cut my freshman year and then was able to make it my sophomore year. Barely basically rode the bench. till I was a senior or halfway through my senior season and then, uh, ended up actually starting and then getting a scholarship. So, you know, that persistence does pay off and, the only way to find out is to try. So monkeys, there's plenty of summer left. Hope you guys are getting out there, getting in plenty of wildness. And I'd love to hear what you guys are up to. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. And monkey on.